Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Singh from Faith Presbyterian Church. I am here with my wife, Melissa. We would like to thank you for joining us for today's sermon. We encourage you to listen in and also hop over to iHeartRadio, YouTube, Rumble, or Buzzsprout to hear more messages during your week. Please enjoy today's sermon and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. All throughout history, historians and poets alike have kept track of the heroes. Hercules, Achilles, Perseus. These were some of the great men of the ancient world. You go a little bit further into history, you find people like Alexander the Great, or Cincinnatus, or Joan of Arc. Now, to bring it more into our context, people we might be a little bit more familiar with, we see people like George Washington, Ulysses S. Grant, or General George S. Patton. And these are some of the people that we would consider to be heroes uh, in American history. Last week's message was about the bad guys. And I happen to reference big-time wrestling. Well, some of the greatest good guys of all time have been in professional wrestling as well. And to tell the truth, I cannot think of a single athlete that garners more fanfare and applause than the immortal Terry Hulk Hogan. Now, everything about this guy's character was designed to get the crowd excited. For instance, his theme song was called Real American, and it was about standing up for other people's rights and standing up for your friends and standing up for your beliefs. So just a real red-blooded American good guy song. For a little while, the WWF had listed as Hulk Hogan's catchphrase as say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong. So Hulk Hogan in many ways was sort of the John Wayne of his profession. We always want the good guys to win, and we want to believe that the good guys never lose. Today I want to give three points of counsel for anyone that would call themselves good. Point number one, the desire to be good. This lesson comes from the Beatitudes. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will have their fill. So it is honorable and right for someone to desire to be good. But if you desire to be good, you will never even come close unless you acknowledge the next point, and it's another truth spoken by Jesus. So point number two is that no one is good. We remember when Jesus was approached by a rich man, that the man said to Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing can I do to get in heaven? And Jesus' response back to him was, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Yes, there is a clear line between good and evil, right and wrong. We do not make the determination ourselves as to I am good or that person is evil. Rather, we are to know what is good as revealed by God's word and choose to do what is good. The principle to be learned here is humility. Pride is the sin of Satan. It is like the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You remember what the Pharisee said? He said, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, 
robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector who happens to be praying beside me. Here is the warning to the one who thinks that he or she is good. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Lesson number three, take the plank out of your eye. Take the plank out of your eye, and you kind of probably have an idea where I'm going with this. Jesus commanded, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Once again, this goes back to the principle of humility. Those who desire to be good oftentimes have a tendency to take justice into their own hands. We need to do good in a way that avoids legalism and cynicism. There's a right way to confront evil. Romans 12.21 says, Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. There is a place for justice. That is something we leave up to the law. And yes, sometimes our governments fail us in bringing about justice the way that God commands. But don't worry. Don't be discouraged. There will be a day when God makes things right. God says in Deuteronomy 32:35, Vengeance is mine. Now what does this all have to do with 2 Timothy chapter 3? Paul wrote these words in verses 10, 12, and 13 of 2 Timothy 3. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul essentially was living the life that Jesus warned his disciples that they would live if they followed his words. When Jesus was training his disciples, he prepared them by saying this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Isn't that interesting? You know, by 325 A.D., Two million Christians have been killed because of their faith. Last year, during the troop withdrawal, in Kabul, the entire church was wiped out. It is wise to count the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 3.11, Paul reminded Timothy what had happened in Lystra. This account is recorded in Acts chapter 14. Now it all started off looking pretty good. Paul was preaching along with his friend Barnabas. And they happened to notice a man that couldn't walk. That was displaying faith. And so Paul walked over to the man. He commanded him to stand up. And he did. And he started walking around. So this man was healed. Well, the crowd noticed what had happened. And they made the only conclusion that they knew to make. And they started declaring that the gods have come down to us in human form. Acts 14.13 says that the priest of Zeus, 
whose temple was just outside the city brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Now, oddly enough, this reminds me of my sophomore year in high school on the wrestling team. It was right after a wrestling tournament. We went out to a restaurant, and so me and four other guys are sitting at a table, and we're starving. We're hungry. We're going to eat anything that's placed in front of us. And uh, all of a sudden, this plate of loaded nachos was placed in front of us, and uh, none of us had ordered them, so we just thought that it was a very kind gesture on behalf of the restaurant. So we devoured them. But we thought it was wonderful until all of a sudden we heard the guy in the table behind us shouting at the waitress, asking, demanding, where are my nachos? Well, Paul and Barnabas, they had a little bit more integrity. They set the record straight and announced that there is only one God who created all things, but the people still wanted to offer them sacrifices. Now, some Jews from Antioch and Iconium, and these are people who were plotting to kill Paul, happened to notice the ruckus, and they happened to see Paul in the middle of it, and so they turned the crowd against Paul and Barnabas. In mere moments, the praises, the sacrifices, turned into stones flying through the air and striking them. Fortunately, they stopped throwing stones once they thought that Paul was dead. So they took his body, threw him outside of the city gate, and then some believers eventually came across Paul's body. And when they found him, they gathered around him, and he stood up. He regained his consciousness, so he was not dead after they had stoned him. Paul reminded Timothy and warned anybody who would desire to live a godly life that they would be persecuted. But that is what makes a good guy a good guy. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You long to see the Lord's return and actively prepare people's hearts to receive the grace that is offered through Jesus' atoning sacrifice. Here on earth, you might not get your chance to appear in any movies or have any cool theme music or have a catchphrase that everybody remembers you by. We are called to display the love of Jesus Christ to a lost and hopeless world because outside of Jesus Christ there is no hope. Isaiah 52 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who bring salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's message. Again, my name is Bill Sang. You can join us for our Sunday service at 10.30 in the morning. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.